Hi, I'm Katie and welcome to my podcast, My Rare Disease. This is a platform where I raise awareness of something that affects 1 in 17 people, rare disease. By chatting to patients, health professionals and advocates, we talk about all aspects of rare disease, including relationships, mental health and much more. I cannot wait for you to hear some truly inspiring stories and for the amazing guests to share their health experiences. I really enjoyed talking to Annabelle about her chronic illness, cystic fibrosis. Annabelle spoke openly about how she got diagnosed with a condition, how illness has changed her outlook on life, as well as the importance of psychological support for individuals with a chronic illness. Annabelle has really highlighted how much chronic illness can affect every element of your life, including schooling and friendships. Thank you, Annabelle, for sharing your story. Today is season two episode five and um i haven't recorded since february so it's very exciting um today i've got annabelle with me and we're going to be talking about her diagnosis of cystic fibrosis so thank you so much annabelle for for uh, being my guest today it's really exciting to talk to you yeah i've been looking forward to it all week i'm (laughs) I'm raring to go (laughs) (laughs) i I love the attitude right so so you've got cystic fibrosis um when were you diagnosed and like what was your diagnosis journey as such? So CF, it's a genetic genetic condition. So I've kind of half got it from my parents. I won't bog you down with the details of genetics, but I was born with it. But I wasn't diagnosed till I was 15 months, I believe. And that was <laughs> um, I my parents started to notice that I had atomic nappies. Mm. so you know that's probably not quite what you want from a 15 15 month (laughs) baby Uh, so that was a concern for them and I'd in the morning I'd wake up sneeze and get these two massive like drops of sort of mucus come out my nose every morning without fail so again something's not right there Mm -hmm. and I'd also (laughs) wake up with a salt ring around my headboard um this will all make more sense when I explain what CF is don't worry um and I think it took my mum took me to the GP numerous times and every time the GP would just say yeah she's got a chest infection take these meds she's you know just eating something dodgy this that the other but my mum was just it just it wouldn't stop nothing really fixed it so she went back a final time I don't know how many times it was Mm. um and I think eventually the doctor said, okay, I'll refer you to the respiratory team at the John Radcliffe. Mm-hmm. Uh, they went along to this appointment. And I think, again, I was only 15 months. So I, I don't really know what happened, yeah. obviously. <laughs> um, but they did all sorts of tests. And I think my mum found it really hard because, you know, suddenly this baby was snatched up, blood tests, oxygen tanks. It mm-hmm. wasn't very nice for her at all. And then I suppose a few months later, they called and said, we need to talk to you properly. And my mum said, well, we're on holiday to Spain next week. So, you know, we can't come in. Yeah. And they said, you enjoy your holiday you enjoy your holiday and I think my parents kind of understood that they they knew what was coming that it was mm-hmm. going to be a confirmed case of CF yeah uh so because 
you know I've had it all my life I never I've never lived without it I've never lived without the knowledge of having a condition an illness having to do treatments medications hospitals doctors you know it's always it's always there yeah yeah and I suppose unlike some other chronic illnesses I never had a day where it was like oh my god my life you know I've got this diagnosis and your life changes so there was no beginning of my sort of CF journey if that makes sense yeah it's it's really um interesting to think about that isn't it because I think for a lot of people who have chronic illnesses it is kind of normal for them to feel the way they do day to day attend hospital appointments experience symptoms have tests get results informing friends and family you know we genuinely think those things are, are normal and actually it's not till I don't know a friend who maybe not have an illness sit back and be like wow that it, I never realized that's part of part part of a condition because it's not just the physical symptoms it's every single step yeah in between as such isn't it every facet of your life is somewhat dominated depending on you know your health at the time but yeah I it strikes me sometimes because when I talk to my friends about being admitted to hospital they <laughs> often they don't have beds at the hospital you know for the day that I need them as in inpatient ones and I'm having these sort of FaceTime calls with them from sitting in a bed and they said but you're in a bed now I was like yeah but this is outpatient so they were like why don't you just stay there because it's not an inpatient bed and it it sounds so boring and mundane but that's what blows my mind about other people not understanding or not having the perspective that we do about Mm. just anything to do with medical stuff hospital etc and I really think it can well from my perspective anyway I think it really does change your outlook on things like I I think if I didn't have the condition I had I'm not saying I could be a completely different person but I am sure I would have maybe a different outlook on things maybe judge certain things more have different perspectives on things and and that's not sound cheesy about it but that's when sometimes actually you can think oh I'm actually like feel positive about being able to see through things through a different perspective because if I didn't have this then it could be different and it's mad how a chronic illness or rare disease or whatever can influence your life yeah pretty much yeah and with what you're saying about you know it sort of changing your perspective but I think it took a long time for me to get to the point where I am now as in like I am grateful for what you know what what CF has done for me but it's just things as simple as I'll sit in the garden on a sunny day I think oh my life I feel okay I'm looking at the sky the sun is out I can smell the grass I'm not shut in a hospital room mm. you know just the tiniest little thing or oh, I I can breathe today I can breathe to the bottom of my lungs I'm so grateful that I can do that right now um so yeah that you what you were saying about sort of the perspective I could not agree more yeah, yeah. so in a nutshell I know you said genetics is very confusing. <laughs> it really is um how would you uh, summarize cystic fibrosis to, to someone who doesn't know what it is? So it's, again, I won't go too scientific because I don't understand it quite to that degree myself, but it's essentially, it impacts the movement of salt and water between the cells in the body, mm-hmm. which as a result, 
produce it means your body produces a lot more mucus than it you know the normal average body should and obviously this excess of mucus in your body does create issues and predominantly in people with cf it's uh the respiratory system and the digestive system the digestive system I suppose it, it more starts with the pancreas. So most people with CF are pancreatic insufficient, okay. uh, which basically means it's so scarred up from all this mucus that it's unable to produce the enzymes that digest food. So it doesn't send the appropriate enzymes to the digestive system and they can't break down food. Mm-hmm. And also in the digestive system, because it's all blocked up with all this mucus, we can't absorb the nutrients from the food that we should so it's very difficult to put on weight and you know often you'll if you see it someone with cf they'll often be quite small quite skinny because they just never thrived Mm. um and then with the lungs it's very similar all your airways they start to create mucus so they get blocked up so they're almost like filling from the bottom with all this mucus which means you can't get the air in it impacts the oxygen exchange rate so any physical sort of activity can be very very difficult Mm -hmm. depending on how healthy you are at the time obviously Mm -hmm. um that's the majority of it 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 affects other things you know your kidneys get involved your reproductive organs get involved but they're not quite as sort of impactful on you know your everyday life i suppose the severity of cf may for some people may affect some organs not others i'm guessing it can vary on quite a scale as well it can so again as i said earlier there's some people are pancreatic insufficient some people aren't i am one of those people Mm -hmm. so i have to take tablets with all my food and the tablets are supplements for the enzymes that my body doesn't create right so i think i take about 20 of those a day with food Mm -hmm. um and this, yeah, severity-wise, I remember, you know, there are some people who become very, very, very ill by sort of my age now. So I'm 22 next week. Mm-hmm. And I know one of one of the girls I know in who's got CF, she was on the transplant list for a lung transplant. Yeah. yeah. So you know, it was a pretty severe case. And I remember I was in hospital once, really unwell. Um, as I was on IV antibiotics, I was in a bit of a mess. I just couldn't breathe. I couldn't do anything. And the, one of these physios said to me, it's okay, it's okay though, because you've got a mild um, form of CF. Yeah. It doesn't feel very mild right now. I'm really, really struggling. <laughs> um, not to slow off that physio at all. I, you know, my team at the Drummag are fantastic. It was just like, really, I do not need to hear that I've got a mild form of CF right now. No, not when you've um, got peace, no. No, no I'm really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry, um, it's all fine. No need to panic. Yeah, no, look, I just send me home. I don't, I don't need any of your help. If it's mild, <laughs> but yeah, that <laughs> severity-wise, that yeah, um, it really does vary. Yeah, yeah. And how do you think it? How do you feel it affects you day to day? So, I have to. I take about, as I said, those tablets that. I eat with food about 20 a day I'd say I have about 15 other medication throughout the day sort of in the morning it's just all these standard boring ones um 
but again because I've been doing it all my life that doesn't it's just like brushing your teeth yeah yeah I also do like breathing exercises Mm -hmm. so I have to inhale numerous different medications um I think I'm meant to do about four of those a day morning and night depending on medication on at the time and how how well I'm adhering to that treatment plan (laughs) um and again it depends on my health at the time Mm. so recently I've been very well I haven't really had to have any intervention I was in hospital in March for a I got an I think I caught a cold off somebody so that really impacted my lungs so I feel like I've gone off topic a bit here but when you get ill with sort of have a respiratory exacerbation you'll get a cold and you know your lungs will react to it and the lungs react by creating more mucus yeah because of the infection levels but because the mucus increases you've then sort of created a prime breathing ground for these bugs to just Mm-hmm. just you know sore um and I always used to describe it as it felt like someone was sitting on my chest sort mm-hmm. of 24 7 you know I just could not breathe just to, to literally save my life from waking up in the morning to going to sleep at night I had to think about every breath I was taking um to to get it done and I'd have to sit up at night to be able to sleep otherwise laying down the weight of this mucus on my lungs would just crush them and mm-hmm. it would be really really difficult to breathe and then obviously there's so much mucus in your lungs that it has to come you know you just yeah, coffee yeah. coffee cough and in the morning I remember it hasn't happened in a while because I'm on a new medication now but it was just horrendous you know I felt like my whole my whole lung was just sort of you know vibrating and all this really disgusting green thick stuff will come up it, it's it's difficult to articulate to anyone that hasn't sort of experienced a bad cough mm, yeah, yeah um but there's pictures on my instagram of like this stuff and on my blog um that i sort of want people to understand um, so because you know a cold with someone with cf can really you know throw you down like for a good two weeks you're kind of out of it um you have to be really careful around everyday things um so but only now am I really kind of getting good at putting boundaries up with other people mm-hmm. so if one of my friends has said you know oh, I've got a bit of a cold I'll say right if you've got a cold I'm <laughs> I'm staying about 10 feet away from you I'm not getting anywhere near you yeah yeah but as I said it's taken a good long while for me to accept that I need to be have better boundaries up than norm, like normal people. Mm-hmm. But other than that, day to day, I'm. It, some days I'll wake up and I'll be able to do whatever, go for a walk, go for a run. I'm absolutely fine. Others, I will struggle walking the dog. It's yeah. really hit and miss sometimes. It depends on the weather, mm-hmm. all sorts. Mm-hmm. And that's sometimes even harder because you can't even like plan things all the time and it being unpredictable, it, it you know, it can be anxiety provoking thinking, oh, you know, what happens if I'm in hospital tomorrow or what happens if I'm meant to be a meet yeah. up with these friends but catch something, you know? It's, it's, it's not it's really <laughs> tough. So again, last time I was in hospital, yeah, I, um I don't I hope I'm not guilt tripping anybody here. 
but the person that I got the cold off of back in March, I missed Varsity at uni because I was in hospital. I missed a Gabrielle Applin concert that I'd been waiting like since before COVID to go to. And it was really, really hard because, you know, everybody else gets on with their life. You know, the outside world doesn't stop just because you're unwell or you're in hospital. You know, it still keeps going. And that's very difficult to put up with. Um, Yeah, tough go. (laughs) (laughs) Standard hospital appointments, usually, you know, they'll do your blood tests and your oxygen, SATs, your uh, blood pressures. All the boring standard ones that everybody has. Uh, they also do something called a lung function, which, again, trying to think of it in like non-medical terms, it's basically where you blow as hard as you can into a machine and it measures your um, lung capacity. So how many, like your literage of how much air you can get in your lungs and how much air you can blow out in the first second of your breath, which I'm sure you know all about. <laughs> Um, it's usually done literage. The uh, measurement is based off of your height, weight, gender, and yeah, that, that's the that's quite a good benchmark of how they measure your sort of lung health at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we do one of those every time we go. Um, what else do they do? We do blood pressure. No, not blood pressure blood sugar monitoring so with cf because your pancreas is impacted some people can develop what's called uh cf related diabetes oh, okay so where again your body can't create the sufficient insulin that it needs um so sometimes you know like normal diabetes you need a bit of help with that and they measure it by the fingerprint or the uh, libra sensor mm-hmm. Um, and then they also do at the annual reviews, we have ultrasound um, on the abdomen to see if there's any sort of constipation, any blockages, any of that. Lung x ray. Um, I've had a couple of bone scans to see the density because, again, can't absorb sufficient nutrients, including calcium. Bones can be yeah. uh, impacted by that as well. Uh, they're the standard ones that they use. I'm sure you know if you've got other complications, they'll add something in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those those are usually what we do. Yeah, and the lung the lung function tests are really interesting. I think yeah the um, yeah based on your height, weight, gender, age potentially. I'm not sure where the age age is in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The first second. Um, also, um, I think the gas exchange. I I think it is is good and also when they do that they, as, I, as you said they check weight don't they because i think weight can be a big thing with um, lung disease and yeah the lung conditions as well as yeah they, there's they often say that you know the lower your weight the lower your lung function is and mm. they they're not even sure why that's a thing but it is so yeah they like you to have a bit of extra weight on you in case you get poorly and you lose it and then your lung function drops yeah that makes that makes perfect sense um and so the other topic that uh, we're going to talk about is um, mental health and how rare disease or chronic illness can affect your mental health. And it's quite a common topic in in the podcast, but I think it's it's so important. Mm. Um, and it affects everyone 
differently, of course. Um, and I know this is a topic that you want to talk about as well. How do you feel that this fibrosis um, has affected your mental health? Uh, in many, many different ways. So as I said earlier, because I wasn't diagnosed with it at the age, you know, at a later age where you suddenly had to adjust, it's mm. always been there. When I was younger, you know, kind of primary school age, I, <laughs> I was a very, very unpleasant child to my parents. <laughs> I did not make life easy for them. What? whatsoever because I as a young child you want to be the same as your friends don't you mm -hmm. you don't yeah. want to be different you don't want to feel different you don't want to do things that others don't and that's what I really really struggled with so when I was younger my health was absolutely fine I didn't have any issues I was one of the I was sort of one of the fittest sort of kids in the class you know I was in every sports team I was on the cross-country team I was doing it all mm. and so, you know, I'd, I'd do excellently in PE and then I'd get home. My mum would be like, right, time to do your nebs, which are the breathing mm -hmm. uh, treatments. And I would just go off the wall because, you know, mum, I've just I've just won or come second mostly in this race. Why are you making me do all this stuff? You know, I was I was really, really horrid. Um, you know, the doctors only want to do this to make my life miserable. Um because I just could not understand I'm not ill there's nothing wrong with me why yeah. are you making me do all this stuff and that lasted for years and years like I just remember really being horrid to my parents about it <laughs> I'm putting my foot down this time you can't make me do it <laughs> um and yeah it was just so frustrating because even on if I went to a sleepover if we went on those residential trips I couldn't yeah. get out of it it was still you're taking your medications you're not going anywhere with them without them um so yeah in my sort of childhood years I think there was I was always very very angry at the, everything at the world at me at my parents mm. um and in hindsight now I think I should have been introduced to a psychologist person far earlier than I was mm. to, to deal with that because nobody, no one really explained to me in, you know, child terms, why this was necessary or how, or how to deal with those emotions. Because again, I just could not understand. I don't want to get too sort of personal, but I mostly took out my sister um, because, you know, I need to do something with this energy. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, okay, right, you can't defend yourself, I'm coming for you. Um, I really kick myself about that now, but I should have, um, I, th I should have had different support or mm. better support when I was younger. So that lasted from as early as I can remember until I think I got to about secondary school. Um, and I can't remember at what point it changed. I think it may have been my first kind of incident of knowing this isn't going to change. You know, I've been fighting this for about 10 years now. It's year seven, I think. I knew it wasn't going to change and I was wasting so much energy on trying to fight it that I just I kind of need to accept it now. And again, that took long enough. Um, yeah, acceptance is, is 
huge and i think sometimes with with conditions because it's not linear or you know each day is unpredictable acceptance it seems impossible at times yeah i think it, they um often refer to the five stages of grief don't mm -hmm. they yeah yeah i can't quite remember how it goes but there's uh denial denial anger bargaining except that's four we're missing one <laughs> i want to say is that one i don't know but no, no I, I can't remember either but that i yeah there's people often feel that there's an, an element of grief or, or those feelings surrounding it within illness yeah yeah um See, so yeah, up until that point, I think, and even now, because of sort of all the anger I sort of felt as a child, I feel like I still get quite predisposition to it. Mm -hmm. Like anger still comes to me very, very easily. Um, not not in an aggressive way, just sort of inwardly. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously you get to the point of acceptance and then that brings in a whole new sort of host of how am I going to cope with this? Yeah. Um, at which point I was introduced to a psychologist at the hospital and they try, they usually approached it far more holistically than you'd expect. Um, so I remember this, this psychologist, she was always talking about having sort of a stress cup, mm. you know, like if you don't have a way of putting a hole in the cup, which would be, you know, self-care, coping mechanisms, whatever, it's just going to spill over. Yeah. And being a child who's at school, with a chronic illness that's going to spill over yeah anything basically yeah. um so i remember that vaguely um yeah um and i got to secondary school i had my first hospital admission in year eight and it, it was a very confusing time because i'd never been unwell before that mm. and then suddenly again i've been wicked away into a hospital bed it I can't quite remember how I felt at the time, but it must have been a lot of sort of fear. And again, more anger, you know, like, I don't want to be, I think I missed the French trip because I was in hospital at the time. Um, so I see all my friends going off and doing this and I'm stuck in a hospital bed again. And, oh. Um, and I think secondary school was pretty straightforward, but then year 11 came. And I had to be, I got a superbug called Microbacterium. Mm -hmm. And it was a really emotional hospital appointment because I, I got picked up from school to go to it with both my parents. And I knew something wasn't right then when both my parents came, because usually it's just my mum because my dad works full time. Yeah. And I was like, okay, something's wrong here. <laughs> Why is there both of them? Um, and I, I hid in the school. My parents tried to pick me up on the school day and I hid in the changing room toilets and the PE teachers had to come and drag me out. Um, so we went off to the hospital and again, I knew something was wrong because both my teams were there. So I had the team from the Wickham Hospital, mm -hmm. which was doctor, nurse, physio, dietitian. And then I also had the team from the Oxford Hospital, which was another doctor, another physio, another of everything. Yeah. So there's about 10 people in this room and oh, you, you, you just know. And I remember the doctor sitting down and he was saying, right, we're really sorry to tell you this, but you're going to have to do four weeks in hospital. 
and my other yeah <laughs> my I could see one of my other dot my sort of most uh, the doctor that I saw most most of the time he was sat in the other room like crying like this doctor was crying for me <laughs> oh my goodness and that was a turning point in kind of mental health mm. it was this is year 11 like the stress of GCSEs and now I'm going to be sat in a hospital bed for four weeks away from again away from my friends not doing yeah, what I should yeah. be doing yeah are people going to miss me are, are things going to change because I'm not there will I be able to fit in again once I get home and I haven't done that was the first and only time that I've done a four-week admission and every time I do a different like I'm not I'm in the hospital again I think how on earth did I cope sat in that room yeah it just it blows my I think it was a full 29 days (laughs) um it was so depressing so depressing Mm because I because I had the super but I couldn't leave the room really yeah of course um I did you know I think the the nurses were really empathetic towards me because I was one of the oldest on the ward yeah and they could see that I was struggling and if there wasn't another CF patient there yeah they'd say okay you know you can you can come out it's fine um so I was really depressed during that period of time that I was in but then to my surprise once I got out I also was depressed in a very different way because you know I've been in a certain routine for a month in the hospital I'm taken out of that and I put in a different one you know I'm not quite as safe as I was I haven't got these four small walls keeping me together Mm. I've got to go back to school I've got to try and readjust and that was that was really difficult and this seemed to be a quite a common occurrence every time I was admitted so I've had 20 hospital admissions now um and I just know the routine you know oh god I've got I'm starting to get poorly depressed anxious about how bad it's going to get am I going to get a bed soon enough okay I'm in hospital now I'm stuck away from my friends my parents my the rest of my family I've got to deal with you know just the rigmarole of being in hospital again depression anxiety okay I've been discharged now I've got to do it at home now depression anxiety what if I'm doing it wrong what if I get poorly again yeah it's it's just so as you say it's not linear at all it's all over the place another point where my kind of mental health was impacted was (laughs) I um I think in about year 10 people at school started to come to know that I had this condition mm-hmm. and I get I ran really well on sports day and somebody came up to me and said oh I know you've got CF you know how do you do it I was like, I don't know I don't really know much about it I just do it yeah, yeah um yeah. and he said oh I was doing some research and you've got a life expectancy of 35 and that was the first I'd ever heard of it like no I'd never known before that that you know we had a limited life expectancy mm-hmm. and again that just kicked me completely because you know I'm 15 and I've just been told that I've got a life expectancy of like 35 that's pretty hard to swallow and I remember going to my mum and saying someone at school said this (laughs) (laughs) she was like we were told not to lie to you when you (laughs) ask questions um and then we had the discussion about life expectancy which is much better now like the prognosis Mm -hmm. now is so much better than it was I think about at least half of people with CF are sort of reaching beyond 40, which is big thumbs up. <laughs> um, but I think in terms of sort of mental health through just in general, you know, anxiety and depression are big ones. Mm-hmm. 
for what I've just said, you know, the I'm depressed because I can't do what my friends are doing. I don't know how this is going to affect me long term. Am I not going to be able to do the things I want to do? And just just being unwell, you know, I'm stuck in bed. I can't breathe. This is horrendous. Yeah, yeah. Um, anxiety of I don't know what's coming next. You know, I've had some. There's been a couple of occasions where I've been really sort of unwell to the point of like having to be sort of ambulances a and e mm-hmm. and that can come out of nowhere um there was a t- it was christmas time that happened and i was <laughs> i um i'm quite wrestling with like friends and family members you know it's just it's just good banter <laughs> and i got body slammed sort of in one of these wrestling matches and suddenly this sort of little pocket of blood came up from my lungs Mm. and that's not that uncommon so I wasn't too worried yeah but then more blood kept coming up more blood you know actually like sort of streams of blood started I started coughing streams of blood I was hunched over the toilet blood all over the toilet bowl it was it was it was awful and sort of since then every time I've coughed a bit or been sort of sort of touched a bit too sort of heavily I used to train with uh, rugby with the uni mm-hmm. I mean like, no one is touching me if we're doing tackling do not come anywhere near me yeah. and like it you know just the fear of oh my if this happens again I don't know what I'm going to do because it was so awful mm-hmm. so you know just just the little things that could just erupt into something else yeah. um just the simmering anxiety I'm sure you know what it's like once you you're anxious about something like health anxiety for example it leaks into everything else mm. you know you, it's really difficult to get on with anything else in life if you've got this what's going to happen next am I going to be in hospital what's you know what do I need to worry about yeah yeah, yeah. Um, you're always in that fight or flight you know I need to be prepared which makes it very difficult to live you know peacefully mm. um so I'd say that's sort of my main sort of directly CF related type of mental health impacts that I struggle with. Um, or at least recently, I've got, yeah. I've got much better at coping with, with it. So it doesn't affect me just as much as, much as it did. Mm-hmm. I think, I think you're completely right. Of course, I think it's a relentless cycle um, I think people may assume that when you come out of hospital, it's going to be a magical, oh, I feel fine again. Right. <laughs> yeah. But actually, you have to adapt physically and emotionally, because I think we've also got to remember that when you're in hospital, you know you're getting the care you need. It's when you come out of hospital, you think, well, what happens if I notice something now? Like, is it, Yeah. It, it, does this mean I have to go back in straight away? Do I have to keep an eye on it? And yeah and I really resonated with what you said just now about having to kind of be prepared I mean really not in a positive way but kind of looking out for some maybe looking out for symptoms sometimes yeah because when you know something's happened once you may be high risk of something happening again of course you're going to be worried about it it's not going to leave your mind is it like no and yeah um it's really it's really hard and I think it's so important for people to realize as we mentioned at the beginning of the recording really that it's not it shows that it's just not not just a physical diagnosis 
mm. you know, school, friends, family. So, so many. It different... leaks into everything. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and in terms of coping skills, as in when you either when you're at uni, when you're at school, or now, what what have you kind of learnt to to use? Um, well, I've been through. I say been through like I'm just trying to sort of <laughs> rack up a list but I've had quite a lot of psychologists counsellors that I've been through at various points that I've got through the hospital or I've got, sort of gone out and looked for myself um I think at one point it was a couple of years ago I went to a it was it was I think it was a mind thing or healthy minds it was something like that where they it was um designed for people with chronic illnesses, conditions, disabilities. And that, as much, I can't really remember it now because it was about three, four years ago. But I remember sitting in a room with, there was a woman who had diabetes, there was a man who had cancer, and there was a other lady with some sort of physical, uh, sort of mobility disability. Mm -hmm. And they would go through various sort of coping strategies, would do talking therapies there. And it it was really nice to be in a room with people who got it. Yeah, yeah. Because you can talk to, you know, friends, family, all you want, but if, you, if you're not in that position, you just, it's not the same dynamic at all. Mm. So we'd all give each other a sort of, oh, I do this, that, the other. Um, and I was really grateful to Healthy Minds for sort of putting that together because that really did help me at the time. Um, but the thing that stuck with me most recently sort of follows on from the coughing of blood. Um, so when I was coughing the blood, they put me on blood clotters to sort of stop it. But because, I was, you know, a side effect of blood clotters is thrombosis. <laughs> And as soon as I kind of knew that, I started feeling every, you know, you feel everything in your body and you convince yourself it's a stroke, it's a heart attack, it's a blood clot. And I emailed my psychologist at the hospital and said, I, this is killing me. Like I, something is wrong with, me. it's not, but I feel it. Mm -hmm. I think my arm's about to fall off, whatever. Um, and she said, you've, she then went on to describe the health anxiety and how if you're, if you're stressed about other things in your life, then your brain is going to sort of um its outlet is whatever's sort of the problem right in front of you that you're going to blow up yeah yeah um and at the time you know I think I had deadlines due I had sort of you know personal issues elsewhere and she said you've got to quiet your mind and she sent me these um like mindfulness meditation type things she said do just you just need to like slow your brain down because you are going all the you know you never never stop and that's why when these things happen you just can't cope mm. so in the last six months I think I've picked up on meditation uh journaling just to get it all out because I do I as I'm sure many people do I just feel like I'm going 100 miles an hour all the time so uh, meditation big one journaling I spend a lot of time outside mm. um and I just talk, I'm, I talk all the time. I, <laughs> you can never get me to stop. Um, and I think that's all it is. It's nothing too complex. I mean, I've had different sort of specific issues in regard to my health, sort of, sorry, mental health with the uh, 
at different points mm. but overall meditation journaling is it's what helps keep me on track mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it just in general yeah and they don't they don't have to be big things at all and those kind of things really help you to probably stay in the present slow your thoughts down mm -hmm. focus on what's going on now which is of course easier said than done when you have so many different things going on but it's whatever works works for you yeah and that's a huge thing and i also think it i don't want to sound patronizing at all but it's so great about reaching out to a psychologist because i think it's i really think there's a difference between saying that you're struggling with depression or anxiety due to a condition but mm. then but then say but also on the flip side saying that you're experiencing health anxiety i feel like health anxiety can have quite a big stigma attached to it because yeah you you know the last thing you want is you to think oh i'm not you know i'm not making it up like i, I don't, but i think that's a huge thing to to say you need help with but i i'm also not surprised that you've gone through that with all the different medical related stuff you have gone through i mean it's not gonna just leave your mind is it one day no. um, and especially when you're you have medication like blood thinning um or blood clotting medication when you say oh there's side effects of x y and z it's not yeah. like to be like ah oh, that's fine then i'll just get on with it <laughs> no you're just, just trading one issue for another yeah that's yeah. kind of how i see it all the time it's yeah 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 and especially when you're in the trialing phase of, of medication like because i mean some medication works be fine cool but some medication you're fully aware that the first however many weeks it could be a bit rocky so mm -hmm. yeah i think we're told all these things but not actually allowed time to maybe like process it sometimes yeah and one thing i have so my as i said earlier my team at the hospital they're excellent they are they really it's really person-centered you know therefore they they always say you know your body best you lead us you know mm. we'll give you the advice and but you tell us what's going to work and that's great however sometimes i don't want to have the answer i need yeah. someone else to tell me so i think again i think i coughed a bit of blood a few months ago so you know oh what if this gets worse and i've said to friends my parents whoever like do you think this is going to get worse and they said i don't know it's your body you'll know more than me i was like no no please <laughs> no i don't <laughs> I don't want to know give me an answer yeah um, <laughs> so it's really taxing it's exhausting because I act like they said I'm the only one that knows so for sure you know you really there's so much going on your shoulders and it is difficult to slow down and just let it you know let it happen sort of rationally yeah yeah I know it's you're not just then being the patient you're being the patient the doctor the the person making the decisions. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah, like it's your call. You do. <laughs> you get the treatment you need as well. On top of feeling unwell, <laughs> easy. Uh, um, so kind of on that note, we kind of talked about how people without a chronic illness or rare, rare disease may either assume certain things or not realise certain things. Um, what do you feel like you would like people without a chronic illness to know? Um, I think that it's, I, I, I'm just thinking of a, uh, 
experience recently I was on holiday with my friends <laughs> and I started to feel a bit unwell right at the beginning of the holiday and that this ties into the health anxiety again is I was feeling unwell and I was trying to put salt on some food or I was doing something with salt and the whole thing the lid on this salt pot just collapsed so salt went everywhere and you know superficially not superficially superstitiously that's bad luck I lost it I was crying I was so upset because I'm thinking I'm unwell I've just spilled salt this is gonna this holiday is gonna go badly I need to go home yeah and you know they were they were empathetic you know they got it but they I could see that they were just like what is wrong with you why are you so wound up by this but in my head because I was already unwell and worried about being becoming more unwell Mm. the salt just hit me and I don't think people who have who haven't been in that position quite understand the magnitude of sort of the ration the irrationality or the fears that you have Mm. of that sort of something else going wrong yeah but again how could you if you haven't been in that situation before um so I suppose that's my most recent kind of thought on that it's just it's difficult to calm yourself it's difficult to rationalize like poor health Mm -hmm. um and boundary setting as well I think it's not just a case of yes I can do it but I shouldn't so for example going out with a friend who's got cold Mm. I'll cut you know just come out it's not that bad you know it's only as minor cold and it's like for you yes but if I were to get that I'm in hospital for two weeks that's me out you know I won't be able to come to the next thing I won't be able to do this that the other but again because no one's been in that position with their health with sort of that level of risk it just doesn't really occur to them that I need to, I need to keep myself safe and this is how I'm going to do it and if that means not seeing you until you're better that's the way it is because you know you've got to protect yourself you've got to protect your health you know as much as you possibly can but you know again people don't quite catch on to that at times no and I don't think you know if I didn't have a medical condition I'm sure I wouldn't realize the severity of yeah what it could be you know is it again it kind of goes back to what we're saying about perspectives and kind of learning things when you have a medical condition versus when you don't it's, yeah it's just kind of part of the part of the package to be honest <laughs> um we've we've touched on self-care are you kind of um meditation mindfulness journaling mm-hmm. um, already and yeah I think I know you touched on kind of talking uh, knowing someone else that has cystic and I think um again that can be really helpful to talk to someone who either has exactly the same condition as you or has another chronic illness because you can always relate on some level um certain things um but to finish off and I'll ask everyone but don't feel precious what are three words you would use to sum up your either cf or kind of your like medical i don't like saying journey so i'm not gonna say it i mean like experiences um i wish i had a dictionary in front of me because i'm just i'm not gonna do myself (laughs) justice (laughs) like this um i don't know if i've got three words but i definitely you know one thing it's very insightful Mm -hmm. because i feel like given my you know i've got my own perspective and for that reason i can um empathize with somebody else in a similar situation just not quite you know 
maybe not medical but in other situations yeah I feel like I can relate a bit more I can see where they're coming from I can be a lot more patient with other people who struggle with whatever it is they struggle with and again it's not a word but I've because of having CF I've seen so much good in people Mm. you know some people really really sort of turn up for you you know wherever it is whatever the problem whatever the time they're always there are some people who are always always there and I think that's quite difficult to come across but in times of sort of crisis that's when the best people show up I think oh yeah Um, yeah and again I not that I would wish sort of any kind of condition on anyone but I I feel lucky I feel lucky that I you know yes I experienced like the horrid you know the horrendousness of being really really ill at times and the fear of it but as as we've said before the perspective it's given me Mm. I'm so lucky to be able to use it to my advantage you know I've met so many new people and met sort of done things it's given me opportunities that I wouldn't have had anywhere um if I didn't have CF yeah yeah definitely that's not just I don't have my bad as we've just discussed you know obviously have my bad days but it it, sometimes it really is I'm so fortunate yeah 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 yeah, not quite three words but that's right repeating a a vibe that's okay that's fine it's very positive um and lastly do you have a quote don't worry if not I do I've got it written down somewhere um again not quite um about sort of cf specifically Mm. but it goes you can't do anything about the length of your life but you can do something about its width and depth width and depth i love that and yeah so again not to to touch on life expectancy again you know i probably don't have as long as everybody else however having cf has meant i've got to do so you know i've done charity runs i've I can't list it off the top of my head right now, but it's brought me closer with so many people and people have come to me and said, you know, I feel so much better about being open with my condition because I've seen what, you know, what you say on your Instagram and your blog. It's like, oh my God, I've made a difference. Yeah, yeah. And that, yeah, I love that quote because it, it resonates so much. Yeah. Well, I'm going to end this episode. I wrote a couple of things down when uh, you were talking about being angry about things, about not having yeah. nebulizers. And I wrote down, that I used to scream when I've, when having a nebulizer, and once I kicked a nurse because I didn't want to have an injection. So don't feel bad. We've oh all, my same. We've all done it. I mean, who, we've who, all who, been who there. would want this to happen to them? So yeah. Oh yeah. But, um, I... Yeah. <laughs> I um. Uh, we've all done it. We've all yeah. I need a student nurse in the face once, completely by accident. But she um she was helping this other nurse sort of take my blood and you know reflexes clock this poor student nurse in the face. <laughs> I hope it didn't sort of sort of sway her from continuing her degree. But on that note, I on think- that note, <laughs> thank you, Annabelle. It's okay. been so great to talk to you. Thank you so much. <laughs>